Thanks for joining Cornerstone for our message of the week. We hope you'll be inspired and encouraged. To connect with our church family and to watch our services live, download our app today by texting Sparks Will Fly as one word, app to 77977. That's Sparks Will Fly app to 77977 or by visiting us online at sparkswillfly.cc. If you have your Bibles, let's go to Haggai chapter 2. I'm just going to try to teach more than I preach. Y'all all know I'm subject to holler at any moment. Always have been. And so... Looks like we got a pile of people at the E-Church this morning. Or the E-Church is your living room where you can sit in your shorts or your boxers and just watch, watch the church. That's where my wife's at. She's at the E-Church today. No, today is Asher's uh, ninth birthday. He's nine years old today. And so uh, we got some family coming in, and so she's just getting ready for that. So... Uh, Y'all can all call him or whatever and send his gifts his way, his address. He'll let you know where you can bless him at. And, um, man, my kids, sometimes I tell you, we was at John Ben's birthday one time, and Asher was sitting beside him, and he had a bunch of cards, and they was just opening the cards, and they got the one that, you know, didn't have no money in it. And Asher said, bonk, just throw it down to the side, you know. <laughs> you good in your soul? Hey, God, chapter 2. Alamac, I'm good. I don't want you to sit there and have to play for me all the time. I'm going to use, if you will, you, you don't have to play. Come on, come on down here. I overwork her, and I guarantee you she's underpaid. So, hey, God, chapter 2. Hey, God, chapter 2. I want to um, um, start in verse 1. I just want to share some, some things out of my heart this morning, uh, really more than preach a message I just kind of want to um, just talk about where where I believe we're at. Like you, man, I'm just I'm just trying to do the best I can to hear the voice of the Lord and uh, position my life in the into the center of that voice. Amen. All right. It says um, in the seventh month, on the twenty-first of the month, the word of the Lord came by Haggai, by Haggai the prophet, saying. Speak now to Zerubbabel, son of Shetal, the governor of Judah, to Joshua, the son of Jehoshadak, the high priest, and to the remnant of the people, saying, Who's left among you who saw this temple in its former glory? And how do you see it now in comparison with it? Is this not in your eyes as nothing? Yet now be strong, Zerubbabel, says the Lord. And be strong, Joshua, the son of Jehoshadak, the high priest. And be strong, you people of the land, says the Lord. And work, for I am with you, says the Lord of hosts. Look at that. Verse 4. Hey, where's, is that my phone? Do you all right? No. <laughs> you all right? We got two messages being preached. All right. <laughs> She's all right. You all right. Hallelujah. You okay? All right. We had a message give out. Let's pray for the interpretation. <laughs> no, we all good. 
You all right. Hey, the first time I got an iPhone, somebody was calling me, and I was hitting it, and I was punching it, everything. Couldn't answer the phone. I had to go back to the store and say, how do you work this? I'm a low-tech man in a high-tech world, I guarantee you. All right, so look at this. Now, let's, let's read it again. In the seventh month, on the 21st day of the month, the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet, saying, Speak now to Zerubbabel and to the son of Shetel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehoshadak, the high priest, and to the remnant of the people, saying, Who is left among you who saw this temple in its former glory, and how do you see it now? In comparison with it, is it not nothing? Is, it, is, it, is this not in your eyes as nothing? Yet now be strong, Zerubbabel, says the Lord. And be strong, Joshua, the son of Jehoshadak, the high priest. And be strong, all you people of the land, says the Lord. And work. Look at this. For I am with you, says the Lord of hosts. Verse 9. The glory of this latter temple shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place I will give peace, says the Lord of hosts. Now, throughout... Pull that down just a little bit, uh, John, if you're back there, and make sure it's on Pray if you're playing that album for me. Because um, that doesn't sound like it. But just pull it down just a little bit. We'll get in here in a minute. I just want to share out of my um, share out of my heart. So I've been um, just really praying over some dreams that I have. I am a dreamer. I dream every single night. I do not believe every dream comes from the Lord. Uh, and so... But I do know that when I do have a dream from the Lord. How many knows when you have a dream from the Lord? And like most of you, I just wish that the Lord would just speak in simple uh, country terms and uh, so that I could understand Him. But it is the glory of God to conceal a matter, and it is the honor of kings to search it out. So God begins to speak. You know, I, I've never had the Lord speak to me a paragraph. So these people that says that the Lord speaks, you know, this paragraph, this paragraph, I don't know. I, that, I've never functioned in that. And I'm not saying that that's not the Lord. But usually the Lord speaks one or two words. Come on. But how many knows those two words are so, so pregnant with so much revelation? God's just trying to point us on, on a deal. And so when I talk about this this morning, some of the things I want to say, I heard Bill Johnson make this statement the other day, and he got it from Randy Clark. And he said that every stream thinks that there's the river. So we believe that we're the river of God. you got the church down the street. They believe they're the river of God. Folks down in Orlando believe they're the river. How many knows that there's one river of God? Come on, somebody. And there's a lot of streams. So I think that, I think that there's many expressions, if you will, of the Father. There's one body but many members. And we must learn how to um, not disqualify some members of the body because they don't believe like us. Come on now. Uh, I still glean from a lot of folk that are not even nowhere near my veins. I was reading something from Charles Stanley just the other day because he's a ph- phenomenal five-fold teacher. You with me now? And so I can take his writings and then take my prophetic lenses and see a whole lot into his writings. You with me now? And so in this text, we find that the text that we read, that Haggai is being uh, stirred to prophesy because those that had returned from exile, they had laid the foundation of the temple, but they had started working on their own houses. You with me? They was involved in the own affairs of their own life. And because if we pull this back at Ezra where they begin to rebuild the temple because Solomon's temple was destroyed, where they begin to rebuild this temple, when they looked at the foundation, they were so displeased because it looked nothing like Solomon's temple. And I think one of the problems is when we, when, we, uh, when we look at the past, we believe God's trying to rebuild the past. How many knows God's not trying to take us back where we were? He's building a new thing. 
But the new thing he's building, he builds on the foundation of what he already established. So I think it would be crazy to look it back at any past move of God, regardless of where it got off, regardless of where it got off. Uh, uh, off the tracks at and dishonor what God has done in the past through people. And if you study past leaders, even look at the life of Martin Luther, who is uh, 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 the, who started the uh, Protestant Reformation, if you will, and even look at John Calvin. Uh, Martin Luther had a lot of jacked up beliefs. His belief for the Jews was almost like in line of that of Adolf Hitler. But but God still began to use this man because he had he had a he had a revelation, if you will, and he stood against uh, the things that. Uh, the, the Catholic Church was in through like buying indulgences at this time. You could just you could just pay buying indulgence from the Catholic Church so that your your people wouldn't go to pur- purgatory. How many knows that there's one way to heaven and that's through Jesus? You with me? And so he had this revelation that by grace alone we are saved. So in the book of Ezra, around chapter 3, verse 12, it says that there was a group of people there. It says that there was a group of people that were extremely excited when they saw the foundation of this temple being laid. There was a group that shouted for joy. But there was also a group there, uh, Pastor Junior, that says that they wept because they had seen, they had seen its former glory. So here's the, here's the deal. To me, it is a perfect picture of where we're at this morning. There's people that has been in this ship for years. You've seen it in its former glory. But yet there are people here this morning that know not none of the history of this church. Are you with me now? No, there's people here that don't, don't know the history. Now, I was privileged to be a part of it really since 1998 and really became a heavy part of it in 2005. So I had a view outside of this house, looking into this house. Others had a view of just attending this church, but there's a few men in this house that had a view of, of the behind the scenes of everything that was God was doing. So let me just say this. To key when I'm reading this is the fact that he's telling Zerubbabel and he's telling Joshua to be strong and he tells the people to be strong he says regardless what it looks like I am with you come on church you help me out here I'm I'm going to get into some things so anyhow I've got to go back because I've been really visiting memory lane and I believe that we, we must honor the past in, other, in, in order to really stand on that foundation and go further. Rick Joyner had a, a vision from God about honor, and I believe it was in 2006. And he pulled all, different, all the different ones that he, he had in contact with. And they held this big thing up in Fort Mill, South Carolina at his ministry where they began to honor the fathers. And because God said, if we'll honor the fathers... He'll release a move in the nation within, within, within a year. And if you look this, if those of you that remember the Lakeland revival that went on down in Lakeland, um, the move of God that happened there was really um, a, a, a byproduct of what, the, the meeting that was held in Fort Mill where they begin to honor like William Brandon, the work that he done. Friend, if you've never studied that, I know that sometimes I spit names out, but I am a study of, of the moves of God on the earth. Man, I'm telling you, William Brandon and the voice of healing, what was happening in the 40s, the 50s, and the 60s, even under the tents of Earl Roberts, is phenomenal moves of God that were taking place. And every move of God comes to reestablish a, a truth that has been lost in the church because we are in this thing of restoration. Come on, somebody. Acts 3 says that Jesus is held into the heavens unto the restoration of all things. And the church where I'm called at in the south, most of the people think we're fixing to leave on the rapture. Come on, somebody. We got a ways to build before we get there. <laughs> I, can hear, I can tell that right there. I said we got a ways to build before they can get. we can get there. <laughs> 
I can, I can pull up YouTube prophecies right now. If you believe Bob Jones was a prophet, he prophesied into the year 2070. We are not fixing to leave the earth. God is fixing to come down through the, in the earth through the church again. Come on, somebody. So heaven is our destination, but... Heaven is the destination, but earth is our assignment. Jesus prayed in John 17, Father, take them not from the earth, but leave them in the earth. And Acts 3 says that there is times of refreshing coming. That is what we're in, church, times of refreshing. How many is ready for fresh refreshing from the Lord? So in this text, he begins to, he begins to prophesy to a people that's seen the former glory. And then he begins to prophesy, listen, even though this foundation looks nothing like Solomon's temple, I want you to know I'm just as much in this foundation as I was in Solomon's temple. Come on, somebody. Solomon had a flashy temple. I believe what God is building now, it is not going to look flashy. Come on, somebody. It's going to look like something underground. It's going to look like, it's just going to look something different than we've ever known. Are you with me now? But we must be open to what the Holy Spirit is doing in our lives and in our midst. All right, so let, let me just go back to memory lane. In 1998, I'm 18 years old. I graduate high school a heathen. My family is a long ways from God. I mean, we are light years away from anything of what you see in my life today. I have a radical encounter with the Lord on my job, February the 2nd of 1998. Standing in the middle of a dirt road, I hear the Lord call my name. And I turned around to see if it was one of the guys that were working with me. And when I turned around, they were, no, they were not there. They were well down the road. We were burying telephone cable at the time. They were well, and I just had this overwhelming sense that I was not right before the Lord. But I had to get right or I, I, I did, this is just what I heard. If you don't have me today, you're going to die and go to hell. That kind of a deal. Now, it wasn't nobody in my family I could run home and talk to. My mom was the closest thing that I knew that, that, that we, of Christianity. She sang Southern Gospel every morning before she went to work on like this karaoke machine we had in our house, you know. And she would be singing Southern Gospel, so that's what I woke up to in the morning times. So... Just to fast forward you that, I have, I go in my bedroom with a white Bible, cannot find anything in that Bible. I, I, I don't understand. I don't, I don't know the Bible. Um, when I first started reading the Bible, I didn't understand why Mark recorded that Jesus died when Matthew said he died in the 27th chapter. So I've come a long ways in my life. And so, but I have this encounter with the Lord. For three hours, I have an encounter with the Lord. And so, God was moving all throughout the land in the nations in, 19, in, in the end of the 90s. We had Tommy Tenney to write the book, The God Chasers, which was a forerunner man to the church to wake up and we've got to get on fire. We've got to renew our passion before God and there's a whole lot more available than what we're experiencing. You had Karen Wheaton go start the ramp. You had Mike Bickle in Kansas City, IHOP. You had uh, Bill Johnson transfer from Weaverville into Reading and the list goes on and on. God was moving at the end of the 90s. So I'm only walking with the Lord for three months but I'm burning the Bible up. I'm talking about consuming the Word of God every day for hours. Literally just fascinated by the Bible. And I'm just eating the Word of God. Just eating it and then I feel like the Lord, I have this uh, the next encounter I have with God 
is I'm in the I'm on the way to Nichols, Georgia, in the back seat of a Ford Dooley, and the three guys in the truck disappear. I'm reading Matthew chapter 25, the story of the ten virgins, and I hear God say, "Go tell the church to get on fire." I didn't know that was the call to preach then, but all of a sudden, after that encounter with the Lord, when I read the Bible, I started producing messages. Come on, somebody! So I told my mom, "I feel like God's calling me to preach," and and within three months of salvation, I'm standing up behind the pulpit preaching the gospel. I knew that in, in a few at the church I was at, we were scheduled to have a revival. In this revival, they had called this was a Methodist church, but they had called a charismatic leader to come in and preach this revival. That man happened to be Dale Young, who was at this church. He came to Alma, Georgia to preach a revival in our church. I had never seen anyone that skilled in the Bible before in my life. Come on, somebody. And the first time I met him, Steve was with him. And then, but God had at that time put a message in this church. And the, the message in this church at this time, Junior, you know I'm, t- I'm you was you was a part of. It. Listen, the message was about the order from heaven, about proper order, about fivefold ministry. We had never heard anything about fivefold ministry where I was at. The only thing that I knew of, could pastor a church, was a pastor. We knew of an evangelist and we knew of a teacher. But let me know that, how many knows this. Ephesians four got two other gifts in the body that God set in First Corinthians twelve twenty eight. He says, "I put these first in the church, not that Granny voted in the church, not that the church." come together and said I think we'll have these in the church but the first he places is the apostolic gift the second is the prophetic gift then comes the pastor the teacher and and the evangelist so all these different gifts function in different ways we were not taught any of this You, you you guys okay you with me I'm just trying to tell you where we at so we, I was not taught any of this. I, I was just, I mean, at our church, we knew, I knew about the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit was not something that would just, it was, just, it was like we would get right there, and it was like it was cut off. It was stopped. No, everyone was scared to get behind the veil. Really, the church is really afraid to get behind the veil. There has people gotten behind the veil. Come on, somebody. There's, and you want to, any, any move of God that you see on the earth today, it's because someone got behind the veil and got touched by God. And after that encounter with God, something happened. Bill Johnson had the encounter with God where God vibrated his body and his, his body wouldn't stop vibrating. If you study that, that happened at, on um, Father's Day of 1995 down at Pensacola with John Kilpatrick. He was incapacitated for three to seven days. His elders had to go take him and put him in his bed. Come on, somebody. How many knows that that is God overtaking a place? So we didn't understand. So we started hearing about this proper order. And the message at that time in the end of the 90s coming from this house that Dale was traveling with was where David sought after the ark of God. And they, and they, was, they had put this ark on a new cart. And they were transform, transporting this ark into the into the into the city of Jerusalem, into the city of David. And they hit Nacon's threshing floor. And when they hit Nacon's threshing floor, the Bible says that the anger of the Lord come out against Uzzah because he went, to, he went to help stabilize the ark. How many knows that God doesn't need the arm of the flesh to help him stabilize any move? Come on, somebody. And here's the whole deal. Uzzah was raised up around that ark. His father was a priest. So in other words, he made what was uncommon common in his life. We can never make the presence of God common. Come on, somebody. I'm still fascinated when he shows up when I begin to worship him. Come on, somebody. We can never 
get to the place where the presence of God is common. It is a holy thing. Come on, friend. God's still holy. I know he's a friend. I know he's a lover, but he's a holy God. And his presence should wow us. So, Yuza helps tries to help stabilize the ark. The anger of the Lord burns against him. David gets nervous. He parts the ark at Obed-Edom's house. We have seen a lot of revivals of the Obed-Edom's house. They come for a few months. We get fascinated by the blessing. We look and we see how the blessing of God is all over that house. But God never destined that ark to be at Obed-Edom's house. He destined it to get into the city of David. Because when David got into the city, the Bible says he gave everyone in that city a glass of wine and the bread. Communion. Come on, somebody. How many knows God's destination ain't just to show up here at Cornerstone? God wants to show up and invade in a whole community. He wants transformation. That's what's on his heart. So we begin to look at this thing. He began to preach and teach this message about proper order and about proper alignment, which is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 28, and Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, where it says, These five gifts, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastor, and teacher, the only where pastor shows up in the Bible is Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, which is what predominantly what is called of the leading of our churches. Come on, somebody. Y'all all right? All right. I mean, I can go for days on this, but I just want, uh, it, it, just pray and I'll get anointed in a minute. So he was running with this message about the fivefold ministry. That God, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 28 says, God says, first I place this in the church. Apostles and prophets. Why would God take and put that two? Why would he put those two gifts at the first? Why would they be the foundational ministries in there? Listen to this, because the other three gifts are people focused. Apostles and prophets are never people focused. They're God's focused. They're heavenly focused. All the other ones are heaven focused, but what I'm just, listen to me. I'll I'll explain this better in just a minute. But they're, God, they're, 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 they're heaven focused. So an apostolic gift and a prophetic gift is going to make heaven's agenda the top priority. Other words, if they lose people, they're not offended by losing people as long as they have the presence. Come on, y'all. Now, most of the church currently where we're at is we're called up because what we believe is success is the more people you run, the more successful you are. We've got to get back to the Bible. Come on, friend. As long as God's with us, we're successful. And while he's looking at a people and says, listen, you're looking at this foundation. I know that some of you come and sit on these chairs and you hear me preach and you hear the vision that is in my heart and you're thinking, my God, I even go home. Sometimes when I'm alone with God, I tell him it is almost laughable for what I believe when I'm sitting in a little bitty city in Sparks, Georgia with 200 people hooked back in a cotton field. Why are you giving me these type of dreams? God's not toying with us. There is a lot of vision and something he desires to accomplish to come from this ground. You with me now? So I started hearing this term apostles and apostolic. And man, these men carried weight. I, I tell Junior like this, I told him this the other day, just cutting up. I remember standing there 24 years old when I saw Junior come to, he, 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 he just pulled up at a place. We used to go to the island every year to seek the Lord. I think it was Jekyll Island, maybe, is where we used to go. And I remember seeing Junior pull up, and I was thinking, man, I don't think I'm ever going to be where he's at. I don't think I'm ever going to be able to preach like that. You know what I'm saying? 
And I just, there was just such a reverence that these men were carrying something into these cities. You with me? How many knows the Bible says, talking about Paul and that group of presbytery, said that we did not dare join them. A fear of where these men were walking at with the Lord. So God began to do this. In this first city where I was at, Alma, this message of, of proper order began to be laid. And then all throughout the region of the south, then God started doing things. You had someone like Dennis. Dennis would tell his story. At the end of the 90s, he's sitting on these pews right here, and he hears God say, get your pilot license. Are you kidding me? Get your pilot license. Why are you going to get a pilot license and be right here in Sparks, man? Come on. 200 people in this room. Why is God telling him to get a pilot's license? He, him and Steve, he looked at Steve and said, God told me to get a pilot license. I believe you told him, if you get your pilot license, I'm getting my pilot license too. And what God used these two men is to fly Dale into all these cities. You with me now? So we look at this of the former glory. What I'm trying to tell you is I believe that there's a fresh message that's going to come from this house again. When Junior and I was in the office a few weeks ago, the power of God just came in in an unusual type way, did it not, Junior? It was on Saturday morning. Junior looked and he said, my God, he just kept saying it's a Saturday morning and the power of God was so strong. And I got beside my desk. If you remember at the end of the 90s, those that don't know this building, this is literally a basketball gym. We've laid the carpet since I've been here and covered up the gym floor where Stanton's office is. This right here used to be vending machines, and there was tables right there where you could go in to eat. Is that correct, Jesse? And so it's sitting at those tables right there, Pastor Dale had just come from a Morning Star conference where Bob Jones and all these different ones are. And he was hearing the words that were shared by Bob Jones. Sitting in that office right there, he said, Man, why? He said, God won't don't never give me nothing like. God will never give me nothing like Bob Jones. That night he goes home. He has a dream. In the dream, he sees the Lord Jesus Christ waking, uh, come in his room. He's seen the Lord from the waist down. He touched him. He said, arise and study the Edmund Fitzgerald. That's all the Lord told him. He come back to this church. You remember this. I'm just trying to wet our things in some of the past. If God was moving like that in the past, reckon what he's going to do now. Come on, somebody. <laughs> so, he says, arise and study the Edmund Fitzgerald. If you remember this, he had the church to get down on a Wednesday night to pray for Fitzgerald, Georgia. Remember this? Then all of a sudden what started hitting on national television was the storm that sank the Edmund Fitzgerald was appearing again. Does it what? It was all over the national news. Is that correct, Junior? And so, man, he was like, oh, my God. People in the church started texting him, hey, the Edmund Fitzgerald's all over the news. The Edmund Fitzgerald's all over the news. Well, God had come to him and told him, man, I feel the Lord coming in this place. God said, arise and study the Edmund Fitzgerald. So he began to study it. Now, the more he began to study it, the more he began to look at it, he realized that all of the newspaper clippings and everything thing had to do with 29 men. There were 29 men, 29 men. 29 men was on that boat. The last known call from that boat was a, it was an iron ore ship that was on Lake Superior. The church had gotten to the place where we felt like we were superior. Come on, somebody. We were making money hand over fist. There was a pride in everything that we were doing, and God was speaking about the superiority uh, that, that was in our heart. And then the last thing was they that the, the captain let out, and he said, we're holding our own. In other words, we don't need no help. We're holding our own. How many knows we're going to always need his help? Come on, friend. 
Jesus said, I could do nothing save without him. And he was, then God began to speak to him about an economic crisis that was coming. It was hard to believe that an economic crisis was coming when in, in, in that period of time because people were developing. You remember this time people got rich, man, developing cornfields. They took old cornfields and paved the road in there, put underground utilities in there singing, selling three-acre lots for $30,000, making a pile of money. And, but what happened in 2008, there was an economic shutdown. God was giving him a word like Joseph. Come on somebody. There's coming seven fat cows but there's going to be seven skinny cows. How many knows that Joseph's family could have had that anointing? The same thing that Pharaoh got, I mean that Potiphar got in the land of Egypt if they would have learned how to honor their brother instead of being envious and jealous of his dreams from God. Come on now. But God had destined because he spoke to because he spoke to Abraham and said, Your people's going to Egypt. So Joseph was a forerunner. Come on, somebody. He positioned him in Egypt to, to take care of them. So we was in my office. And at the end, the camera cuts off because we had pre-recorded the message. So there's no camera going in my office, but God. It's all over. The, I mean, he's all in that office. I mean, the power of God is just in that office with me and Junior. And I get down on the floor, and I start hitting the floor saying, God, where are you? Because, see, I, I preached this on Wednesday night whether you saw it. The 2 Corinthians 3.18 says we are changed from glory to glory. That is the only pathway to the believer's increase. Nowhere in the Bible does it speak of decrease to the believer. We are changed from glory to glory. Come on, somebody. And there's this tension, the crisis. Everything happens in a crisis, friend. The church changes in crisis. And I'm not talking about the crisis of COVID-19. I'm talking about the crisis in between that glory to glory. Come on, somebody. Sister Katie, like you read what A.A. Allen did and William Branham and all these different ones, the crisis is, is in between that glory. God, where are you at in my day? Come on, somebody. God, this chasm, this, this place of tension between glory to glory. This is where I feel like I've been in between. It was John Kilpatrick who had his success in the assemblies of God. Had built plenty of numbers, plenty of money. Had great relationship with his leaders in his church. But he would wake up and drive to the church at Pensacola in the wee hours of morning. saying, God, where are you at? God, where are you at? And he would lay prostrate before the Lord and he would groan with groanings like Romans 8 says. It cannot be interpreted. cannot be uttered before. Just groaning, God, where are you at? It was the tension between glory to glory. It was in the place of not being satisfied. There's got to be more to this thing than just good church services. And then on Father's Day, Steve, he'll come in and he walked into a whirlwind not knowing what he was about to approach. And God showed up in that house and visited those groanings. So I said, God, where, where, is, where, is, where is the God that would awaken a man and say, Arise and study David Fitzgerald? That night I go home and have a dream. And in the dream, I was handed a bow. I knew it was a nice bow. The bow was built by an unknown company. There was a bag attached to the bow where the quiver should be. So this was an abnormal bow. It had a bag attached instead of a quiver. 
It was a very nice bag. The only way I can describe it, it looked like a Louis Vuitton or something like that type of bag attached to it. But I knew that it was not made by Louis Vuitton. I knew the bag was made by John Deere. And in the, ba- in the bag was a hat. And I pulled the hat out and looked at it and put the hat back in. When I closed the flap of the, ba- of the bag, I looked and the state of Georgia was on this highlighted just in patchwork of the different counties on the state of Georgia. And then I dreamed of three counties, which was, which was Bacon, Coffee, and Toombs County. And I saw that they had an asterisk and an American flag by those counties. And in the dream, I heard, write this down. And I woke up. I woke Catherine up and said, God just spoke. I don't know what he's saying, but I know he's talking. So I began to, to do this, begin to pray. And we prayed into this a lot. And I began to do some research on these dreams. But one of the things that I found, when you think of John Deere, I found a monument to him that is in Illinois. And he's known for the inventor of the steel plow. Because in the Midwest, they had iron plows. And the iron plow could not handle the ground because of the ground was so hard. So he developed a steel plow and there's a monument to him and it says John Deere, the inventor of the plow that broke the plains. Church, I'm trying to tell you breakthrough. Listen here, the five gifts release different graces. Teachers will inform the church through. Prophets see through. Evangelists reach through. Pastors nurture through. But apostles break through. He invented the plow that broke the plane. Then the other night, this was on the day Sunday. On Thursday night, I had a dream. And in the dream, I was dreaming about the dream in which I dream. Someone says, man, this boy is crazy. I'm dreaming about the dream in which I dream. And the Lord spoke to me. This is what was said in the dream. With John Deere's equipment. Otherwise, what I want to tell you, you're equipped. The bow was the authority from heaven. The bag represents the equipment from heaven. Come on, somebody. And then I heard the Lord say, what separates those counties? I understand you got Applin on the other side of Bacon. I understand you got Jeff Davis on the other side of Coffee. But what happens above Jeff Davis? Two rivers come in to form one river, which is the Ottawa Hall. And I felt like God said the river is what is the separation. Tombs is on the other side of the river. Come on, somebody. How many knows when Moses began to, began to speak of a land flowing with milk and honey, everybody wasn't on that path. There'll be people, listen to me, in the days ahead that all they want is a Sunday morning expression, and I'm fine with that. That doesn't bother me. You know what I'm saying? But that's not what I'm after. I'm after a group of people, come on somebody, that believes there's something burning on the inside of you. When Jesus communicated Luke 24 on the road to, on the road to Emmaus, the Bible says as he taught with them, they said, oh, how our hearts did burn. In other words, he was releasing burning words into their spirit and something was being branded on the inside of them. That is what happened to me in 1998. I, I was branded by a move of God that was coming from this region. And what this place represented then to me, as I remember coming here, and Junior remember this, in, in 2006, 
weeks, I believe it is, Junior, when I came here to preach for the very first time, I preached about the big boat in Mark chapter 4 and the little boats in Mark chapter 4. And the Bible says there was little boats out there with the big ship. And to me, this church has always been that iron ore ship. You follow what? It's not a cruise liner. I mean, a cruise liner is nice. This ain't, this ain't no really no nice ship. It's just an old big boat. You follow what I'm saying? But it can hold cargo. An apostolic ministry is a cargo ministry to send resources. Let me try to finish this up. Bring something closer. I feel like I'm confusing more than whatever. So let, let me just say this. I want to give you these five right quick, just in short tandem. I just want to go back over this right here. Father, help us see it. When you release vision beyond where you're at, it takes probably people far more skillful than I. Because what separates a great leader from a good leader is the ability to communicate the vision. It's why the vision is what you build. It's what you paint with a brush. You know what I'm saying? It was Jitchin Franklin who went to Free Chapel with 250 people. And he stands up and says, From the clay hills of Georgia we shall touch the ends of the earth. People sitting in that church thinking, Oh my, this, this man's lost his mind. Oh, look at him. He's young, such zealful. I mean, he's so zealful. I mean, look at him. You know, God bless him. He's up there saying, we're going to touch the nations of the earth. History will never remember critics. You'll never find a book that has history's critics in it. You'll only find a book with those who move with great courage, who stepped out by faith. Like Abraham to leave his father's household to go look for a city whose builder and maker is God. We, <laughs> Smith Wigglesworth had plenty of critics, but there's no books written about him. There are books written about uh, uh, Smith Wigglesworth. So why is God flirting with me? Let me tell you what I believe God's saying. God's saying the call of God on your life is not, is not, is not just for Sparks, Georgia. That I've called you to roam the state. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me, God? I mean, you're telling me a guy with 250 views on Wednesday night, you called him to tour the state. Where am I touring? I mean, maybe where are we going? See, that's where a lot of you at in this room. You're so pregnant with vision, but you're in the hallway. In the hallway, it gets gory. I've been in the hallway before. I remember watching every other leader jump out around me when I was 25, 26 years old, 24. And I remember saying to Catherine one day, How many, I don't know if it's a clean movie or not, but I watched it, so forgive me. I won't tell you all the movies I watched. Remember on Grumpier Old Men? This old movie. Remember when his dad's sitting on the bench and his dad didn't, you know, his, his dad was talking about he was so old or whatever, you know, he wasn't going to die. He says, sometimes I think God just forgot me. And you remember when he finds his dad dead on the bench? Ain't that grumpy old man? He said, looks like God didn't forget you. But I remember being at 24 so pregnant with vision. And I told Catherine, I said, God just forgot me. He's forgot us. And what God did in that season, and he burned in me. was 
I had to learn that God can see through the shingles of my house. He knows my email address. He knows my phone number. He knows everything about me. According to Psalms 139, He knows my rising up to my going down. He knows the number of hairs what is left upon my head. And in His time, when He gets ready, He'll call me and get me, on the, and get me to where I'm at. So what I'm telling you, in God's time, this house will have significant influence beyond Sparks, Georgia, into this state and other states. When, when Martin Luther began to preach his message, he said that he would stand in the mirror because no one else believed the message he had in his heart. But he would stand, he would stand in the mirror so he himself would not forget. So, so in this, let me just say this, the books, and I looked over my journal in the last six months of my life. One of the books that impacted me greatly was the book called The Prodigal by Brendan Manning. And it was all about this thing. What, what does this unknown company? I've heard this right here. I, I'm, we're going to title this Ramblings. But listen, I heard, this, I heard this say, you know, that there's this faceless army coming up. I, I, don't believe, I really don't believe in the faceless because if you're faceless, you're, you don't have an identity. So I believe the church is going to have a strong identity in the days ahead. Come on, somebody. We're going to be, our identity is going to be set in sons and daughters of God, not orphans. Come on, somebody. Orphans still plead for the presence of God to come. Oh, rent the heavens and come down. God's already rent the heavens and come down. I remember listening to uh, uh, Lester Summerall at the end of the 90s. He went to a church and said, they were singing a song, send him on down, send him on down. Lord, let the Holy Ghost come on down. He got on the stage and said, if you ever sing that song, in my, I, will, I will not come back to this church if you ever sing that song again because it is anti-biblical. God has already come down, friend. Come on, somebody. We got half the church looking for a fresh Pentecost, a new Pentecost. We don't need a new Pentecost. The Pentecost that happened was good enough. We just got to have a fresh expression to come through the church. We don't need more of God out of heaven. We need more of God out of the church. Out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. This he spake of the Spirit of God. John 7, 38 verse 30, and verse 39. So... When I read this book by the prodigal, the prodigal by Brendan Manning, I knew that God was shifting some things in my heart. And so then I was highly impacted by the song, if it scare some people, by Jason Aldean, Lord Use It. Man, hey, oh, God. Jake, you're going to help me finish out these last 10 minutes. So he gets in my truck one day. And he said, Pastor John, he said, what? I think you said, I think you said, you saved my life or something like that. And I said, what are you talking about? He said, because you got Al Dean on in your truck. He said, Mama said, tell me to quit telling Alexis to play that Al Dean. I was listening to the song Al Dean. Small town. We're just keeping it simple. We proud of the name on that water tower. Oh, how we proud of the name on that water tower. And we proud of that dirt on the bottom of our boots. Because, see, that speaks of roots to me. That speaks of the place where God planted me. Come on, somebody. And those that are planted in the house of God, they shall flourish. Come on, somebody. That speaks of the planting where God puts us at. And 
then I get into this Brennan Manning book, and it's all about a guy that leaves this big-time ministry, and he settles for this little small town in Texas just to do the stuff. And I, this book, I, I, have, I don't have the hard copy book, but it, it's, I imagine it's probably about this thick. Terry, you got the hard copy book. How thick it? You don't, we bought it on the iPad too. It's a bit, it's, I read it in a day and a half. And I was like, man. So then I come to the church. I'm at the church one day. And I'm pulled around back because a lot of times during the week I pull right there and pull under the awning because I can just access my office right there from my side. Big people don't like to walk that far. You know what I'm saying? I can just get jumped right right there. So I'm, I'm sitting there. And a knock happens on my window. And it actually startled me a little bit. And I see this guy. He's in overhauls in a white t-shirt. I'm like, man, this dude's fixing to hit me up for money. You know what I'm saying? And so kind of startled me. So I rolled my window down. He asked me a question. It's what he looked. And he said, is Dale Young still here? I said, no, sir. He's been gone for quite a while. He said, okay. He said, I just wanted to stop and see if the work was still being done. He said, I've traveled all over. But he said, I live a simple life now. He told me where he lived. This guy's in overhauls, white t-shirt, Crocs. That's my kind of outfit. Actually, Magellan shorts, a fishing shirt, and some Crocs is a real deal. I cut with Stanton. I said, if you see a true apostle, he won't be in... He won't be in flashy shoes. He'll be in Crocs. So this is just something we say to ourselves. Have I not called this house to be a beacon of hope, to be a lighthouse in this region? Where are the builders? Where are those that will embrace courage and say, rise up and build? Rise up and build. Say, do not look at this and despise this, the day of small beginnings, saith the Lord. But I say unto you today that I am with you. I am with you. I am with you. Rise up. Rise up. Rise up in this house and begin to build. For surely I have laid the foundations. For surely I have laid the foundation. Rise up and build.
Let me just finish with this. I sent out something the other day. It's basically some of it's very poor audio. The man actually asked me those questions. He leaves and he walks away from my truck. That's when I notice he's got the Crocs on and stuff. And I thought, how odd is this? I've been reading this verse of scripture for probably about six years now. Terry, remember this. It's probably three years ago. He and I were standing outside of Zaxby's in Valdosta, and I mentioned this verse of Scripture, and you remember that power of God hit both of us. And it's a simple Scripture, and it says that the fathers has eaten sour grapes, and they've set the children's teeth on edge. And I feel like one of the things that has prevented us from moving forward, please, is because we have despised the former. Folks, we're not despising the former. We stand on the former. If you cut me open today, I would bleed the teachers that have taught me. So in this clip, there's this little clip, and they're asking Bill about honor, and this is what he says. He said, I never heard my mom and dad, not one time ever in our house, speak of anybody in a negative way. See, we're never going to have a fathering movement till we get the sour grapes out of the dad's mouth. Because those sour grapes are passed down to the children and they begin to view things in a skewed way because our hearts have not been healed of the past. There's not a person in this room that ain't been done wrong or felt like you've been done wrong by somebody. All offense is is a perceived injustice. And so they asked, Bill said this, and this is what he said. I want to leave you with this. He said that there's five people that have publicly wrote about him printed press, speak against him in their conferences or whatever. But he said, every day that I take communion, he said, I pray for these men. And I pray God's blessing over their family, over their kids, everything that they touch. And he said that he opened the Charisma magazine and he began to look through it. And he said he looked at different ones' face. And he, did, he said that an indifference he felt in his heart rose up. So he gets before God and he sits there and he looks at those photos until he can feel the joy of the Lord for that individual. And he finished reading the book. So I think for me, I think I tore some stuff down of the past out of hurt 
But for whatever reason, God's always been jealous over this house, friend. I don't understand. I don't believe this is the best house. It, this, that, I don't believe this is the best church in this community. I just believe that this, the call of this house is to be a busting axe that'll go out and break through. You with me? I know that God destined this house to have the river of God regardless of what it looks like. Whether it makes people happy or it makes them sad. The river, the presence of the living God. I Kathy gets on me about my facial expression sometimes. But I'm not in a funeral home. I'm amongst the living this morning. So someone asked, said, well, you know, John, who, who are you submitted to? Who, who do you submit to? I mean, who's speaking into your life? Well, let me tell you who the two main voices are in my life. Besides the books that I read, the two tangible people that looks into my life that I submit my life to for counsel. Steve Batts has been nothing but a father to me. You with me? The other person I take counsel from is Danny Young. And I'm just telling you, the call of God on this place is to arise and build if I'm with you. And don't despise the foundation. Y'all right? Y'all right? Don't despise the foundation. Don't be ashamed where you come from. You know in golf they teach the swing that if the back swing is correct and the point of contact is correct, that the follow through will be correct. Be at the point of contact. I'm just ready to see the follow through. Y'all right, I'm going to pray over you. How many is ready to go eat a hot dog, hamburger, or something? You know what I'm saying? I'm going to celebrate my son's birthday today. Y'all okay? I need about 10 people to encourage me about 3 o'clock today before I fall off the cliff. <laughs> How many is good in your soul? Father, we just thank you for this day, Lord. We thank you for this house. We thank you for the people of God in this house. We thank you, Lord, for the call of God upon our lives. Father, I thank you that all of us in this room are called according to your purpose. We are kings and priests unto our God. There's great destiny over every single person in this room. Father, we have all been through a lot. I pray that you help us, God, to move. Lord, I just pray this prayer over us. Lord, the areas in our heart where we need healing, I pray, Father, we will begin to, we will begin to find that, Lord. I pray, Father, where we despise the past, we can look at the things in honor. It doesn't mean that we look at mistakes and we look at wrong and we look at injustice and say that was all good. No, Father. But it is something to look back and to begin to honor the th to honor those that have went before us. And so, Father, we just thank you for that. And, Lord, I pray abundant blessings upon this people today in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen. God bless you all. We'll see you here next Sunday. We hope you enjoyed our message of the week. Thanks for joining us. Our passion at Cornerstone is our family atmosphere built on deep relationships. We want to connect with you. Please take a moment and download our app and connect with us on social media to stay updated with all things Cornerstone. We pray you have a wonderful week. Amen.